I've known Michelle, which I've just realised today, for over 22 years. <laughs> and apparently I was at her wedding, which I can't seem to remember. <laughs> but um, it's a blessing. It's just wonderful to be with um, a group of ladies who I can tell just loves the Lord and wants his will. And I just want to encourage you this morning that God loves you so much. And that's already come through. Um, just how much he loves you and just how much he accepts you as you are. Don't have to try to be somebody else. Just be who you are, who God's made you to be, and he will do the rest. Amen? Amen. Let's just get these. It's good to have um, technology, but sometimes it's... <laughs> doesn't do what it's supposed to. I want to start off with a scripture that I wasn't planning to read, but it came into my heart while I was here, so I'm going to be obedient and read that. It's taken from Ephesians 6, and it's um, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Father, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're living in a time where there's a lot of shaking going on, a lot of things going on. Wickedness is like abounding. But I just want to say today, the topic I'm going to speak on very briefly is the God who is in control. Amen. We've heard this morning, you know, yes, it was Mother's Day, and that means different things to different people. It can stir up a lot of emotions. Some of the things are out of our control with our children, the path that they've chosen. But we put our trust and our hope in God that he is able to look after them and to bring them to that place in him, especially if they're not walking with him. When I started to pray about the meeting today, over the last couple of weeks, and just ponder and thinking, God, what is it that you want me to bring? I, the word that one of the words that came to me was, I really sense that I don't know if this is an individual thing or if this is for the church, but that you're coming into a new season, and it's a different season. It's not going to be like one that you've known before. God wants you to be open to His Spirit to what he's going to do. It's going to, you know, you're not going to do the things the same way and just be open to that. Because in your understanding, you're like, well, you know, you might be thinking, this can't be God. But God wants to confirm to you today that he's taken you into a new season and also that he wants to bring alignment. So, you know, sometimes we could be walking in a certain way and, you know, we could be going the right way and then all of a sudden we find we're sort of drifting over here God just wants to bring us slightly back into alignment amen, amen. amen. so yeah oh really oh oh well praise God just to confirm that really good well I mean you know we we shouldn't really be surprised because there's only one spirit, <laughs> isn't there? 
you know, and, and it's great, it's exciting. I was talking to a couple of um, ladies just before the meeting starts that God is bringing the body of Christ, regardless of the denominations, to function as one. And I think that is, you know, that really does excite me. That's something that, you know, we try to do in our own ministry. Um, yeah, definitely, one accord. So in Ephesians 1, verse 11 to 12, I'm going to read from the message translation. It's, um, it says, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Another translation says how in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. The word predestination, it means your destination has already been determined. God knows where we should be going and how to get us there. As women, a lot of the time we take charge of many different responsibilities. Don't know why, it just seems to be the way that our cup seems to be quite full. You know, we could be the, you know, the cook, the secretary, the chiropodist, the taxi driver. You know, there's just so many things, the teacher. You know, so many different things that we have to do. Yeah, I'm all right, or is it just me? Am I just me? You know, our cup, we're juggling lots of different things, um, and we take control of a lot of things. And many times it can lead us feeling quite burdened, quite heavy, disgruntled, tired, exhausted, can steal our joy, you know, because we're just running from pillar to post. And, you know, so, but sometimes at the same time, it's also hard to let go because you're so used to just doing it. You know, and it's quicker to do it yourself. Yeah. You know, I've got some teenage children and, and you know, I've been wanting to teach them how to cook, you know, better. <laughs> but I just don't have the time. I'm like, oh, it's quicker to do it myself. <laughs> you know, I like, oh, show us. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll do, we'll do. But it's just sometimes quicker to just to do things yourself. And that's just sometimes the way that we are wired. For many years, I've been sort of, you know, um, in charge of my life and just just by default, just, you know, getting on and doing things just because you can. You know, we can. You know, the old saying, we can multitask. Um, and I've had to learn how to let go, you know, to let go of my children when they're becoming teenagers, to let go when they're making the wrong decisions, to let go of my emotions, you know, to let go of, of um, the plans that I had perhaps for my finances, when it wasn't there, when it was there, um, where I would work. You know, we take a lot of control as women. At the age of 22, I became a Christian, and I was told to give my life to Jesus. The life that I had built, that I had taken control of for so many years, but I was told that Jesus wants it now. And, you know, one level, I wanted him to have it. And at another level, it was like, well, you know, but 
can I really trust you? If I'm honest, life hasn't always been easy. The letting go, the trusting, the walking by faith, the turning the other cheek. There's things that God requires us to do. That's not always easy, you know, if we want to walk his, his path. Marriage hasn't always been easy. Two broken people coming together as one. You know, it's not easy. Those that are married or has been married know that, you know, it's not easy for the two of you to become one. But that's God's way. You know, he's wanting to make us holy in marriage. So over the course of the years, you know, I began to learn that God wants me to die to myself, die to my desires that are not in line with his. Um, I began to learn that God has got a plan and a purpose for my life, and he has for each and every one of our lives, whether we know it, believe it or not. He has got a plan for our lives, and he's trying to get our attention through our circumstances, through our feelings, through people. In many ways, God will never give up on us because he loves us. And he wants to put us on that path because his ways are higher than our ways. And he knows what is best for us. So over the years, I'd sensed the call of God on my life and was involved in various ministries, discipleship training, prison ministry, women's ministry, which I'm still involved in today. In 2008, I got ordained as a minister, and then about a year later, I tried to commit suicide through issues that was going on um, in my extended family's life that I just couldn't cope with. You know, when you just don't think there's... When it looks so dark that you feel that, you know, I can't see the light. There are powers and principalities out there that want, doesn't want us to fulfill God's will for our life, doesn't want us to walk in the purpose, in the plans that he has called for us. And they will do whatever they can to try and take us off of that path. But I want to say to somebody this morning that God is in control. Amen? He is the God who is in control. If we was to just allow him to be, to trust him, and to let go with all areas of our lives. God has a greater plan and a purpose for my life, and that's why, by his grace, I'm standing here today. The enemy did not win. Amen? He didn't win. And when I realized that, because I don't believe in suicide, but the pressure was, was so strong, I said, I'm going to walk this out with you, Lord, and I will serve you. And by his grace, that's my heart's desire. So we are in a battle for our lives, for our family, there are many things in this world that we have absolutely no control over. You know, things happen to us, don't they? They just happen. Life happens, you know, and you have no control over. But it's not a surprise to God. In those times, he still wants us to look to him, to trust him, to work it out. And it's, it's a growing experience because he doesn't want us to stay the same. And, if, you know, if we look at it positively... If we didn't have those experiences, you know, how, where would our faith be? Yeah? If we run to God what he wants us to, 
you know, we, we heard the song, Lord, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. Let that be our confession. Let that be our declaration. I won't be overwhelmed by what life throws at me because we are living in the end times and we don't know what tomorrow or even this afternoon will bring. But he knows and he is drawing, I really sense he is drawing his people to look to him, to keep on trusting him in these uncertain days of trouble, turmoil, difficulties, uncertainties. I mean, you just have to put on the telly and you heard the news, I'm sure, you know, so many people, about four people got stabbed in North London, just walking. You know, you don't know what's going to happen, you know, but God is our protector and we can get hold of his word, keep hold of his word and no weapon that is fashioned against us will prosper. But if we don't know these things, we, you know, we could be fearful to go out, but you have to go out. You have to continue with life. Be sensible, of course, and put our trust in God who is in control. It may seem as if things are getting bad to worse. And some of you may be dealing with your own personal challenges, your issues. You know, you may have debts, bills that you can't pay, problems at work, even in church, marital problems, relationship problems, health issues. Any host of these situations or problems can consume our life. And that's what the enemy wants it to do. Consume and think that things are getting over, out of control, and you, know, you can't cope anymore. Take our focus off the purpose that God has for our lives. I just want us right now just to surrender. Put your hand on your heart and just say, Lord... Let's just give God our hearts this morning, ladies. Just say, Lord, I surrender my heart to you. Have your way in my life. I give you myself this morning. Many times we, we are blinded by our circumstances. And often we forget who really is in control. There is something inside of us women, you know, that rises up and takes control. So we, you know, we have to take responsibility. There's something. We, we've seen it right in the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, we see that God spoke to Adam. He gave him an instruction not to eat of the fruit of the tree. He spoke to Adam. This was... Eve wasn't even formed. And then, in chapter 3, Eve, what happens? She rises up and she takes control. I'll just read that. It says, Then the Lord God called to man, Where are you? He replied. God came looking, looking. And God will come looking for you and for me when we wander off his path. He will never give up on us. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Then man replied, it was the woman you gave me, who gave me the fruit and I ate it. 
Then the God, the Lord God asks the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. You notice here, like I said, the instruction was given to Adam. Eve was nowhere in the picture. But yet the enemy came to try to deceive the woman. And she fell prey to it. And we need to be careful, women. You know, the devil knows the plan. Well, he knows that what, what, what God has invested in us. He knows that, you know, we are quite, in our way, powerful beings. You know, you may not feel like it, and that's not, you know, like a feminist thing. But God has done something. So we are, we are supposed to be the helper, the helpmeet. But yet we, we went before and took that position. And I just feel as if, you know, today that God will say to somebody, step back. You don't always have to have the last word. You don't always have to have the last word. That he is in control. Wouldn't it be nice if we were born with a GPS system that would tell us to turn right, to turn left, to stop, you know, to reverse, you know, our destination would be our purpose. It would be a lot easier, but it doesn't work like that. But God has given us his Holy Spirit, and he is our guide, and he will lead us. Jesus is our example, a man who walked this earth and knew who was in control. He knew his purpose Despite the distractions, the persecutions, he remained focused until the end. He ran his race. And that's what the Lord would ask of us. Are we prepared to run the race despite what we may be going through, despite the challenges? In Mark 8... Verse 27 to 33, I'm just going to read it. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are the one, one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leader, priest, the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead as he talked about openly this with his disciples. Peter took, a, took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view not from God. Jesus' disciples had came to a very important decision. They recognized and they realized who Jesus was. Despite what people were saying, they realized that he was the Messiah, that he was 
Christ, that he was the king, the high priest. When we get to a place when we realize who Jesus is for ourselves, not for what other people are saying, when you get to that place and you realize who he is in your life, he will begin to share things with you, secret things like what he did to his disciples. He told them not to tell anybody. So when someone says don't say anything, it's usually a secret, isn't it? Okay, and that's what happened to his disciples. He made some predictions concerning what awaited him in Jerusalem. First of all, he said he must suffer many things. He said also that he, he must be rejected and killed. And the final thing he says, that he will rise in three days. The Bible talked a lot about one of Jesus' closest friends, Peter. Jesus called Peter a rock and that he was a good friend of his. So he was someone that was very close to him. Most of us, we have that special person who's quite close. You tell them secrets, you talk to them. And Peter was one of those people in Jesus' life. But one day, on that day when Jesus was talking, Peter didn't like what Jesus was saying. And he tried to make him be quiet. Like, no way, he can't be taught. This cannot be real. You know, how can he suffer? No, he's the Messiah. He's not going to suffer. He's going to die. That doesn't make sense. No. He just rejected all what Jesus was saying. And he tried to make him quiet. His response was quite adamant. He took Jesus aside to rebuke him. Stop it. Stop what you're saying. You don't know what you're talking about. Don't be saying things like that. One translation even said Peter grabbed him in protest. He was really adamant that you know, he doesn't want anyone to hear what he was saying. In Matthew 16, 22, it says, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen. He just could not accept it. Peter was trying to prevent Jesus from going to the cross and fulfilling his mission on earth. Of course, Peter didn't realize what he was doing. And sometimes when we say things to people, we don't realize what we're doing because sometimes we may not know what their purpose is. So we need to be very careful when we're speaking into people's lives. Sometimes people may be speaking the truth and we may not, might not like it either. We might not want to hear what the truth is. We prefer to hear anything else but the truth. And sometimes the truth could be very painful as well, especially if you love that person. You don't want that person to suffer. And sometimes you can even step in the way and try to prevent it from happening. You know, somebody might have to move away. They might have financial problems. They may need to move, sell their house and move further out for whatever reason. And this could be part of God's plan for their life. And then you think, oh, no, I'll borrow the, you the money, you know, and step in. You know, of course, it's good to help people when we can, but we do need to know and be discerning of what actually is going on because God has a purpose and a plan for each in our lives. And God is able to work all things 
together for the good, even though even things that don't look as if it's good, like in Peter's case, it didn't look what, like what Jesus was saying was going to be good, but it was. It was part of the plan. He didn't understand the truth that Jesus was saying, that he was going to die on the cross for the sins of the world. The Christian life is not an easy life. At times there are suffering. It often involves hard work, persecution, and sometimes deprivation. Peter only saw in part the picture. He didn't realize that resurrection followed crucifixion. He didn't see that part of it. He just saw that he was going to die. Peter's outburst of concern was only natural. You know, as a friend, Jesus looked at his disciples and then what did he do? He rebuked Peter, his close friend. He said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Another translation said, Jesus confronted Peter. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Matthew 16, 23 reveals that Jesus also said to Peter that you are an offense to me. Now that's hard words, isn't it? And this was somebody Let's not forget who was a close friend of Jesus. But when it came down to his purpose, when it came down to his call, Jesus knew what he was here to do. He wasn't going to have anyone stand against the plans of God. Not even a close friend. He wasn't going to allow him to stand in the way. And I think that's a good lesson for us to remember and to learn even the closest people, our best friends, our family members, may try to stop us from doing what is right. And it might be their own issues, you know, their own issues, what they're dealing with. And they'll say, no, don't do that, don't do that. But God may have you to do that. And that's where the choice comes in. Jesus wanted Peter to trust him and to keep paying attention to God, knowing that God is in control. We may take comfort in the fact that God is in control. He never is surprised at the things that we're going through, what we've been through. Our past doesn't have to hinder our future. He is never unprepared. He is never overcome. He's patient. He's never wayward. God is faithful till the end. And he's looking over each and every one of us, just wanting to outwork his purposes in our lives. At the beginning of the year, the Lord gave me a word, called, and the word was intentional. And I don't believe it was only for me. I believe that it was for to encourage other people that God wants you to be intentional in 2019. 
to be intentional about the decisions that you make. I believe an intentional life is one, a life that has purpose, has discipline and vision. You're here today because you intended to be here today. You know, you could have said, oh, I'm going to give it a miss today. You know, but you was intentional. And God wants you to have that same intention when you, if you work or, 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 or things that you do. To say, yes, I'm going to be intentional in following out his plans and his purpose for my life, regardless. Because if we don't have an agenda for our life, the thing about life is that you might think that you're standing still, but you're not. You know, you're either going forward or backwards. You know, you never stand still in life. So you need to be intentional to keep walking forward, walking through the challenges, walking through the things that come up. Because if we don't have an agenda for our life, one will be provided for us, whether we like it or not. Either by the events of life, just in general, the enemy, or by other people wanting us to do certain things and we're just not being able to say no or we just don't know if that's part of what we should be doing or not. And that's where confusion comes in. And God is not a God of confusion. You know, he's a God of purpose. Being intentional is having an understanding that God is in control of my life. And that means that you're taking control and determining how you live your life, how you spend your time, your energy, and your resources, who you hang out with, you're intentional. There's some people that, you know, they're not part of your course, part of your path anymore. You know, I'm not saying for you to just to drop them, but how much time are you spending with them? You know, are they part of God's plan and purpose for your life? Are they helping you to get closer to Jesus? Life can easily get away from us and seemingly have us at its mercy if we don't know who's in control. It doesn't matter whether you're 18 or 85. Wherever you are at in your life, the things that you've done or haven't done, God has a great plan and a purpose for you. Just as I finish now, I'll just ask you to close your eyes for a moment. You're here today. I want to encourage you, if you need encouragement, to begin to turn your whole life, your whole heart over to him. Only you know, only I know if there's areas of my life that I am holding back. Jesus, he's knocking on the door today and saying, I want that part, I want that area of your life. Trust me with it. Give it to me. Will you turn it over to him? Any fears, doubt, discouragement just want you now to just lay them 
at the feet of Jesus. Just see yourself just physically given those concerns, those weights, just putting down those baggage and giving it to him. Maybe you're struggling with something in your life that is causing you to be depressed, anxious, worried. Jesus is saying, just give it to me, my daughter. Give it to me. I love you. It could be a physical, emotional, or spiritual issue. There is nothing that is too difficult for him. God is still on the throne. He is still in control. Regardless of what's going on in this world, he's looking down on your precious life. He wants you to experience a fresh outpouring of his love this morning. Fresh outpouring. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants to give us the rest that the world cannot give us. And it doesn't mean that you're not proactive, you're not doing things, but your mind is at peace and at rest, just knowing that he is leading you, guiding you, and that you can hear his still small voice in the midst of everything. Father God, I pray for every lady here today that you will help them because I know it's not easy to let go and to release anything that's laying heavy on their hearts, any situation. Lord, I ask that you, by your power of your Holy Spirit, will just come in right now to minister to them, just to touch them, to bring healing, to bring clarification, to bring wisdom, to bring hope. You know, Father God, what is needed. This morning, I just want to pray for healing of the soul, for any soul wounds that have been attached to you and hindering you from moving forward into your purpose, into his plan. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your ministry this morning. We thank you that you are in control, that we no longer have to be in control. We want to be led by you and help us, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, to allow you to do this. Amen. <laughs>